name is Justin Jordan. I'm the lead minister here at Real Life. And if you're new, we want to welcome you and say, so glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We are in the midst of a series called Habits that has been very fruitful already as we look at 2023 and we self-evaluate and ask the question, what habits do we want to start? What habits do we want to take a look at? What kind of person does God want me to be? And uh, we're looking at habits, uh, maybe New Year's resolutions, maybe goals is another vocabulary you may use. But we've chosen the word habits because habits is actually what leads you to those things that we want to become and what God wants us to become. And so we've been in this journey of kind of self-evaluating and looking um, not only in our minds, but our hearts, looking deep within ourselves of asking some tough questions about what makes up a habit. And uh, what I've learned, what we're learning is that uh, habits are kind of like icebergs. If you guys understand this, this idea is that the majority of iceberg is actually below the surface of water. Uh, the, the top part of the iceberg is actually makes up about 20% of the iceberg. 80% is below the surface. And so you um, have to actually look at your life and look at what are the habits that are going on in my life. And maybe you see habits in other people's lives, the actions they take, the things that they do. That's just the, as we've heard in the phrase, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's the habit. But below the iceberg, there's a whole lot of things that are going on that actually lead to that habit. There are belief systems that we have. Sometimes those belief systems are good and they're healthy and they lead to good and healthy habits. Sometimes those belief systems aren't good, aren't healthy, and they lead to unhealthy habits. And they actually sometimes, as the Bible describes it, those habits, those decisions actually lead us to live a life where we actually are sinning. The Bible calls that sin. And so we're in the journey right now of kind of self-reflecting and, and, and looking and seeing what are the things that build up into the decisions that I make. And so if week one, we ask the question, the new habits that you want to start in 2023 are those habits rooted, step one, in fearing the Lord. Are you actually living a life where you're self-reflecting and saying, you know what, does this honor the Lord? Am I living a life surrendered and honoring Him and living in reverence and awe to God? That's what it means to fear the Lord. And then step two, we learned last week that we have to learn before we ever set out to do something, we have to ask the question, who am I? And when we realize that who we are in Christ, that our identity is in Him, then God begins to not only speak over us the blessing of how he sees us and how we view ourselves, but in addition to that, then what does it mean on how I live? Should I do this or should I not do this? And that's kind of what we're going to start leaning into today as we look at step three of these habits. And um, as we kind of reflect on our lives and the things that are unhealthy, that we think, that we believe, that we feel at times, uh, the reality of it is, is even though we may have these unhealthy habits, I don't think any of us in this room set out to actually live out our unhealthy habits. Uh, for example, uh, I struggle with my weights. That's something that I've been trying to address, and I am still addressing and, and working on it. I'm not setting out to be unhealthy. However, it makes it difficult to live healthy when a brand new Arby's opens up in Cuna, Idaho. <laughs> Beef and cheddar <laughs> with Arby sauce. So good. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is me becoming overweight just doesn't happen overnight. It's one step, one day, one habit 
that begins to manifest itself over and over and over again. And then another habit tied to another habit. And the next thing you know, I get on the scale. I'm like, whoa. Like, I'm, I'm overweight. The same is true when it comes to our finances. We don't get to a place of getting overextended just overnight. It's one decision after one decision. And all of a sudden, we're one paycheck. Living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Um, our marriage is dissolving. Affairs happening. That doesn't happen overnight. It's one step, one decision that leads after another, one day at a time, and all of a sudden, the result is we find ourselves um, either living a, a lifestyle that's super unhealthy or, take it a step further, we end up living a life where sin is ruling us. And so if you find yourself in this place this morning, my hope is that you would have hope as you begin to look at the bad habits that maybe you are trying to wrestle with and trying to conquer. And I am not naive to the fact that some of you are here today and you've been battling for years. Years. Some of you decades. With stuff that you want to stop but maybe you've moved to a place where you don't have a whole lot of hope about stopping. Maybe you've just given in to the reality, this is who I am, this is who I'll always be. And my hope and desire this morning is that we would be able to look, that you would be able to look into the word of God today, that we would turn to a passage that has a powerful, powerful message for us. And that not only would we look at the message this morning, my hope and my desire is that you would see it maybe from a new light, and not only from a new light, that you would be willing to invite others into the struggle with you. And that you begin the process of being set free from something that's enslaved you for years. My hope is that we'll give you some tools today. And that you'll leave here going, I know I can do this. I know I can take this next step. What is this passage that we're talking about? It's Romans chapter 6. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter 6. And let me just tell you the journey that Paul, as you're turning to Romans chapter 6, the journey that Paul's been going through as he's writing to the church in Rome. Because there's some things that he's writing in Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5 that kind of layer on top of the reality of what we talked about last week about identity. And what Paul's writing in Romans chapter 3 through 5 is he says a couple things. He says, you've been re uh, received a new status in accepting Jesus. That when you have walked out the desire to live by faith and make Jesus Lord of your life and you've surrendered to him, you actually receive a new status. That you are right with God and that you are forgiven. And so you've been given a new status that, that God actually loves you and is for you and you recognize that and you entrust yourself by faith to him and you've been justified by faith not only do you have a new status you have a new family you've been included now in god's family that you're not doing this thing alone that you get not only a savior that loves you and has redeemed you but now you get to be a part of his people a new family of god lastly he starts talking about this new future that you have, that you're going to live a transformed life for him. And, and Paul's essentially saying the same thing we learned last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that when you accept Jesus, that you are new in Christ. Everybody say new this morning. New. And so what he's essentially layering on again is identity. This is who you are. 
So if this is who you are, you should live a certain way. And now in Romans chapter six, he's gonna start talking about how we're actually called to live. In Romans chapter six, he says this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace that God's given you, that it would increase? And what does Paul say? By no means. No, you don't keep on sinning. No. We are those who have died to sin, he says. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There it is again. The new life that Jesus has given you. And he's given this, this new life to you when you've decided that you're going to entrust your life to him by faith and that in baptism, you are actually dying, being buried underneath the water, dying to your old life. And then as you coming out, out of that water, you are a new person in who? In Christ. So should we keep on living the old life and sinning? No, no. That's not who you are. Your life is now united in Christ. For if we have been united with him in his death uh, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died also has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that Christ was raised from the dead. He cannot die again. De death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is saying a lot of the same things that we learned about last week in regards to who you are. You are a child of God. You are in Christ. You are living with him. And so he begins the process of going, if you live in him and you've been resurrected with him, then live and walk as Jesus walked. Then he says this in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13 and 14. If you've got your Bibles, you've got your phone, I want you to highlight verse 13 and 14. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you are under grace. What's Paul saying? Jesus invites you into a new life and says we must stop sinning and stop making habits that lead to sin. Jesus invites you into a new life to stop sinning, to stop the old behavior, to stop the old habits. Whether that is sinful or leads you to sin, he's inviting you to actually stop. Now some of you are here this morning and there's a part of you that maybe your heart or your mind is maybe callous to the idea of sin and you don't really take it seriously. Some of you, this is already a heavy topic. Some of you are already living in conviction of the reality of like, I, oh, he's talking about this on Sunday. Like, man, I know, 
I've got things I've got to address in my life. But some of you, it's me or blah, blah, blah. Here's my hope for you is you take seriously some of these words. Jesus, Matthew chapter 18. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of hell. Strong words, right? Where's your heart this morning? About the things in your life that you know Jesus is calling on you to stop. James chapter 1, verse 21. I don't read this translation a whole lot. Um, but I really appreciate some of the words it has to say. It's a good news translation. It says this. This is another one I want you to highlight. James chapter 1, verse 21. Get rid of every filthy, what's the next word? Habit. And all wicked conduct. The next question is, okay, how? James gives us the how. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. What does is, what is Jesus want for you in this journey of starting new habits or recognizing the habits that lead to death? Step number three, it's, it's based on this reality that you need to recognize who you are and who you want to become. Who you are and what you want to become. And I know there's some of you that are here, they're like, I don't want to be this any longer. I want to be the child of God that God's speaking over me and said over me and bless me and the words that the, the scriptures talk about. I want to live this new life. It means taking hold of the identity that God's given you and you saying, I'm going to stop doing the things that I've always done because I'm continually get the habit and the result that I've always gotten. I've got to stop. I've got to stop. I'm going to stop the things that lead me down the path that is not good. That leads to guilt and shame and death. It's time to stop. Now, the reality of it is, in order for us to stop, we have to understand how the enemy works in our lives. Because for every single one of us, just in regards to what we were talking about, like, we don't plan to have our marriage end. We don't plan to live paycheck to paycheck. We don't plan to be overweight, but that happens. And there's a process, oftentimes, that's, under our control, sometimes we live in a broken world that's out of our control and things just happen. But I just want to remind you, the enemy works the same way over and over and over again. He's a liar. And so he lies. And the process, like, he, he doesn't really change up his process. He just kind of masquerades it as something new. And then we kind of don't recognize that the work that the enemy's doing. And you might say, what am I talking about? Here's the thing. When it comes to sin, it always starts 
with something that is pleasing to the eye or something that we think that would fulfill me if I had that. And as I'm saying that, for some of you that know your Bible, you already know the conversation that I'm referencing that's found in Scripture. What is that conversation? Genesis, yep. The enemy comes, the enemy whispers, and you begin to have a conversation with the enemy about if I were to do this, what would it actually do for me? And you begin to have a conversation with the enemy. We, we, we begin to have this inner dialogue. We begin to actually entertain the voices that go on in our head and our heart. And you're saying, are you telling me, Pastor, you hear voices? I'm like, yeah, I do. I do. Anybody else? Okay. I'm not crazy. Some of you are like, y'all crazy. <laughs> We're not. You just haven't recognized the dialogue yet. There's a dialogue. You begin to entertain. You begin to think about scenarios. You begin to think about certain um, things that may or may not happen. You begin to actually ruminate, simmer, think about that reality. And you think that it maybe, maybe that'll give me life. Maybe that'll make me feel better. Maybe that'll give me the thing that I've been longing for my whole life. And then you act on it. And as soon as you act on it, either right away or eventually, it gets exposed for what it really is. That sinful decision or that behavior, it actually is death. It's, it's kind of like when you go and you go to bite into a piece of fruit that looks really good an apple or an orange, and then when you bite into it and you eat it and you go, oh, this has gone bad. That's how sin is. It looks good on the front end, but on the back end, it leads to guilt and it leads to shame. And then unfortunately, in order to deal with the guilt and the shame, we go back and we do it again. And we do it again. And we do it again. And we live a life that is void of the things that God wants to give us and speak over us in, in experience. The only way you can begin to break the cycle and stop, the only way is by doing what Romans says and what James says. Did you catch it? Let's go back. Romans. Verse 13 and 14. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument for wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And every part of yourself to him is an instrument of righteousness. Do not offer anything. Do not offer anything to the enemy. Do not offer anything to the conversation. James 1. Get rid of every filthy habit and wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your heart it requires us to stop if we're going to stop it requires us the dialogue the inner voice this conversation that leads to us then behaving it requires us to say no I'm not going to have this conversation anymore because I know where this leads to and it requires you to say I'm not going to listen to the enemy and instead I'm going to turn to God's word and I'm going to put it in my head, in my heart. What is this called? This is called meditating on scripture. 
This is called actually memorizing scripture. Because there's going to be things that come your way where you actually begin to start the conversation. You don't even realize you're starting it. And you've got to go, no, no, no. I know where this goes. What does God's word say about me? What does God's word say that I should do? And you begin to actually put the word of God in your head and your heart. And when you begin to do that, you will begin to experience success. But I want to tell you, the enemy, he doesn't stop. You need the word of God that's planted in you. But here's the other thing. Sometimes the word of God, it needs the people of God to join together. Maybe saying, what do you mean? Well, if you've been a part of real life any amount of time, you know part of my story. And you know that um, from the time I was 15 till I was 20 years old, I had a, a strong addiction to pornography. And it was something that I struggled with for years and wrestled with, and I wanted to stop. I even got to the point where I was able to come in community and confess that reality in real relationship. But there was one moment where I'll never forget, it like pulled the pen out of this cycle of wrestling with the word of God while in Bible college, going to small group and talking about it at small group and saying, I messed up again this week and confessing that and having brothers who, who were gracious and kind to me and, and forgave me as sometimes I lied to them. And they showed me love and they showed me grace, but they also pointed me to the truth over and over and over again. And I'll never forget one night when I was in my dorm room and I was all by myself and the enemy came and what did I do? I opened up my Bible and I started reading. And then finally I got to a point where I'm like, I know where this is going if I don't do something different. And I reached out to one of my friends who was walking beside me and said, I'm not good. I need help. And it was one in the morning. You know what he did? Got out of his bed, drove to my dorm room, sat down with me, read scripture with me, and prayed over me. And that moment, and that moment changed everything for me. Because it revealed so much to the reality that God is with me, his people are with me, and in this moment, the Spirit of God is working in with me. What was happening? The Word of God was getting planted into my heart over and over and over until I believed the truth that I wasn't alone. That God was with me. You want to stop? Plant the word of God in you. Accept the word of God in you that he plants in your hearts that will save you, James says. And if you're willing to do that, that it will begin to flourish inside your heart. That it would change you from the inside out. Here's what I know. That was a long process of getting there. But anything that is worth doing, have you ever noticed the stuff that's worth doing is really hard to start, but then eventually it pays off in huge dividends later? Have you noticed that? The stuff that you think would be like, oh, you know, like, that, that's really hard. So maybe it should be hard to actually come to fruition. It's actually super easy to dive into right away. The path of walking with Jesus is difficult. <laughs> but he promises in the midst of walking that he is with us. And he's calling on you to rem remind yourself who you are. And therefore, since you're a child of God, 
Stop doing this, but instead do this. Walk the life that I'm calling you to walk. You can break the habit and the habits that lead to sin. You can break them. How do you do that? I shared a little bit already, but let's just review a little bit. How do you stop the habits that lead to sin? What actions do you take? Recognize that you have a new status before God, and here's the status, that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. Accept the identity that God has given you, that if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you can walk in newness if you're willing to confess and bring to light the reality of what God's saying over you. He says that in 1 John. So would you be willing to confess it? Some of you have been wrestling with this habit that leads to death for a long time and you've never said out loud what it is that you actually wrestle with. And guess what? The only way, the only way it gets redeemed and changed is if you bring it out of the darkness into the light. Because then you get to really see it for what it is. You've got to confess it. Number two, You've got to welcome, uh, be welcomed into the new family. You've got to get connected into real relationship. You've got to connect into real relationship. Maybe you say, well, I come to real life. I'm, I'm connected. If you aren't connected into a small group, you're, you haven't experienced the full family that God has for you. You haven't experienced the real relationship that God has for you. I want you to notice something. We were gone on men's retreat. Do you know how many hours we were gone on men's retreat? We left on Thursday night, got back before noon on Saturday. We were gone 40 hours. And while we were up on the mountain, you know how many hours it felt like in a good way? It felt like four days. And the amount of stuff that God did in moving mountains, of changing minds and hearts and commitments that came out of that retreat into what God did, how in the world does that happen in 40 hours? You know how it happens? When God's people come together, Focus on his word, his spirit, his purposes, his people. God does in 40 hours what we wish we could do on our own in 40 years, you guys. You gotta get connected. And you gotta have real relationship. You gotta trust someone and confess it openly to God and to one another. And to say, I wanna stop. And then the next thing is you got to be willing to embrace the new humanity and the new future that God has for you right now. The things that lead you to sin, you've got to make those hard for you to do and start anew on the new things that God has for you. What do you mean? This is what I mean. Every single one of us has triggers that lead us down the path that we should not walk. Every single one of us have triggers that lead us down the path that we should not walk. Every single one of you has to evaluate your heart and your mind. You have to evaluate your actions and go, what are the, the things that I probably should not commit to anymore? Some of you have been in the Treasure Valley for quite a while, and there are certain places in this Treasure Valley you shouldn't drive to. Because when you go down that street, it does a whole lot of stuff inside of you where the enemy begins to talk really loud. 
you've got to quit going to those places. Some of you have got to quit going to certain homes because it does not set you out on the path that God has for you. It does not lead you to the life that God has for you. Some of you need to recognize what I recognize. It is not good for me to be alone in my dorm room. It's not good. Some of you got to recognize that I'm in a place right now where I, I, I can't be alone. Some of you have got to recognize that there are people you have to start saying no to. There's some of you that you need to stop hanging out with certain people. And the reason why you need to stop hanging out with people is because it is an automatic trigger into darkness. Now you're saying, well, Justin, the vision statement is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. I'm supposed to reach this person. I will tell you this, maybe. But if you don't have the strength, if you don't have the maturity to look the enemy in the face, to look and hear the voices and to say, no, I'm not doing that. If you are tempted as you walk in relationship with those people, the Bible says you need to remove yourself. You need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to get strong so that you do have the ability to maybe one day go back into that relationship and say, can I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life? And I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have a new life. And it's way better than that stuff that I used to do. What are the triggers in your life that you need to look at and go, mm, I, I have to stop. Proverbs 4 says this, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Proverbs 13, walk with the wise. Become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. What do you need to stop? And are you willing to have hope that you can walk the life that Jesus has for you? Because I can tell you this right now. I have hope for you. And Jesus has hope for you. This church has hope for you. Even when you don't have hope for yourself, we have hope for you. Because we've seen it over and over again. God can and does still to this day transform lives. And your story's not done. Did you hear that? Your story's not done. So as we get ready for communion this morning, if you aren't prepared to take communion but would like to take communion these amazing ladies are going to come forward and all you need to do is just raise your hand and they'll make sure to get you the elements this morning and I want to invite you just to pray on what we just talked about this morning for some of you it, it means that you've got to begin to grab hold of your identity because you are a child of God it's time to it's time to stop. It's 
time to confess where God needs and wants, where you want God to heal you. Number two, it's time to get connected. It's time to have real relationships. And it's time for you to make it hard to do the things you've always done. And lastly, if you're here this morning and you're doing okay, like you've mastered all this, maybe pray for someone that hasn't. And would you begin to pray for those that desperately need real relationship? Let's spend some time talking to Jesus as we get ready to come to the, to the table with him.